0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. You may be seated. God bless you. I, uh, early in my, in my ministry, I found the need of prayer. Prayer opened up God's Word to me. I didn't have anything when I first started preaching but a Thompson Chain reference Bible and a concordance that the Sunday school class that I left the church from to preach gave to me. There was no such thing as an Internet to find messages. But looking back over my 47 years of preaching and teaching, a full tithe of my ministry really has been spent on speaking about the priority and the practice of praise prayer and worship. I cannot say that the Lord has given me any insights that others have not already shared. But for me prayer is about, is an absolute must with Christian life and speaking for God. I can remember when I was just a kid preacher, still single, still trying to find my place. I would lay before the Lord and have a Bible under me and just let God speak to me as that Bible creased my chest and I laid prostrate on the floor. Can I confess a secret to you tonight? I'm not a good public speaker really. I'm really not. You stand me up in front of a city council speaking on the need of a new drainage system and I struggle to find words to say because I'm afraid I'm going to say it wrong and they're going to laugh at me. Ask me to get up in front of people maybe at a conference, at a convention and speak on a resolution or an article of faith and I suffer words to say. But ask me to preach what I've prayed about. And a supernatural strength comes my way. To whomever hears this, whether on podcast or even here tonight, I would give word of warning to those who find themselves in roles where they repeat their message often. It's, it, 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 it's so, it, it's, it is far too easy to rely on the message than it is the mediator. And any message, whether preached the first time or the hundredth time, needs an ample amount of prayer going into it and over it every time you get up and speak it. I know when I preach on three times on Sunday morning, I walk back to the, to the office. The first thing I do is I resign to Jesus. I have a picture of Jesus, and I resign to him. Every Sunday morning, I say, This is your church. And he, he kind of answers me from above, said, I know that. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that, but I tell him. The second service, I go back when I'm I'm refreshing for the second service. I say, God, I need the same anointing or the greater anointing than you gave me the first time because my body is not quite as strong as it used to be the first time. And he says, I'll be there for you. And the third time I say, now, Lord, this is the last time. So let me give it all I've got. And I'm so happy when he says to me, and I'm going to give you all I have. It's a joy to preach for Jesus Christ. It's a joy to preach for the Heavenly Father. It's a joy to talk about what God is doing in our life. An old-time preacher man preached at a conference years ago. His message was based on the shortest verse in Scripture. He preached simply, Jesus wept, John eleven thirty-five. 35. He spoke about the great weapons found in, or the great weepers found in Scripture. He talked about Joseph. He talked about Nehemiah talked about Ruth and Elijah and Mary and John and Paul and Timothy. And his list was inclusive. But I want to mention, I'll put it on the screen. He said, Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Thus refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, and your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in your end, says the Lord. Your children shall come again to their own border. I want you to rejoice tonight because God's into restoration. I want you to rejoice in that tonight. My subject tonight is simply this a high voice in higher places. A high voice in higher places. In this passage, Rachel refers to all the daughters of Israel. This weeper represents the feminine gender of Israel. She weeps in Ramah. Ramah simply means a high place. I speak tonight a high voice in high places. Just north, folks, of Jerusalem, there is a place known as Samuel's Mountain. Located in Benjamin's allotted portion. It is also called Ramah, which means the high place. Here is where the prophet Samuel called on God. Here is where David found the presence of God. Here is where Saul came to kill David, but was so overwhelmed by the presence of God that he fell on his back And prophesied for about a day. Here Solomon had an encounter with the dream weaver in his life. But on this day we hear not a masculine voice. But a higher one. A feminine voice. It's the voice of Rachel. The beloved wife of Jacob. The mother of Joseph and later Benjamin. A mother in Israel. A high voice is heard in high places. Because Rachel is distraught. The reason she's distraught is because she has lost something precious to her. See, you may recall that Rachel lost her firstborn son, Joseph, when the jealous brothers conspired to sell him into slavery. And Joseph would see his father again, but not his mother, for she died giving birth to Benjamin, her lastborn son. Buried along the roadside, Rachel became an archetype of all godly people who go through great trials in life. So Jeremiah uses Rachel to describe God's suffering people. Matthew would later quote from the same passage when Herod, trying to find baby Jesus to kill him, started slaying all the children under two years of age in Bethlehem. Why was the voice of Rachel heard? Jeremiah said it was because she had lost her children. I want to talk to you tonight just a little bit about three little points that I'm going to preach. And I hope that I can hold my dignity tonight. But weeping is a result of having lost something precious in your life. Weeping is a result of having lost something. The language of tears, folks, is suited for loss. In the Old Testament, a worker once, once lost an axe head. He turned to his master and he said, Alas, master, it was borrowed. Folks, I'd like to declare tonight, everything that we have in our life is borrowed. Everything is borrowed. Everything is on loan. And when it goes missing, we cry out. The axe head represented the worker's power. We should cry out when we feel our power is missing. There is a great spirit in this house tonight. There really, really is. And I could, I could make some fun with you tonight and have a good time, but I feel like just preaching the gospel tonight if it's all right. If it's all right. And where there is great power, there is great help for people. And some of us have our power missing. We need to get plugged in again. Because I've got a feeling Jesus is coming back soon. A young King Josiah heard the word of God read. The word had been lost for so long. And when he heard it, he rent his clothes and he cried out. We cry out when something precious is missing. Or listen to the cry from a woman standing outside a tomb in in Jerusalem. She weeps and says, someone has taken him away. Someone tell me where he is. That's the reason to cry out. Cry out when you can't find God. But I want to declare there will be little reaping of joy if there are no sowing in tears. But they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. I heard a man preach at a camp several years ago, where are the weepers in the world? Where are the people that still know how to weep? Where are the people that still know how to cry out to God? Where are those that sigh and cry against the abomination of Israel? I want to put a mark on their head because they have something special. I think it's time, folks, for Christian Life Church, because of what we have been given, we have been given much. And because we have been given much, much is required of us. And I wonder if anybody could climb yonder mountain called Rama and weep and sigh and cry because things precious are missing in our world. Does anybody care about a lost soul? Does anybody care about people that don't know Jesus? You know, we sing ourselves hoarse sometimes. We'll work ourselves till we drop. We'll play to the point of exhaustion. We'll worry ourselves sick. We'll argue and bicker for lifetimes. But when was the last time we have wept ourselves to sleep? When was the last time we poured out our hearts to God? Not an easy subject to preach, but only the brokenhearted can find healing. Only the poor in spirit find comfort. Only the downcast can be uplifted. Something precious is missing. And Rachel lifted up her voice and she wept. Weep for what is missing in our children, in our youth. The innocence of our children has suffered. We need to weep for our children. The school systems of our nation are cesspools of drugs and alcohol. Weep for the children. The morals of Christian youth, very little from non Christian morals, weep for our children. Something precious is missing. We need to weep for what is missing in our homes. There's over six million couples living together without matrimony. We need to weep for our homes. Missing moms and deadbeat dads litter the landscape. We need to weep for our homes. Homes are the deadliest place in America. We need to weep for our homes. Something precious is missing in America. Weep for what is missing in our churches. Faith sometimes takes a back seat to reason. We say, you know what, that person never really was sick, so there really wasn't a healing. That person never really had a problem, so there wasn't a deliverance. It takes the back seat to reason. and miracles bow before methods, we need to weep about that. Smiling preachers have been replaced by, smiling preachers have replaced weeping preachers. We need to have weeping preachers again. I, I, I want to I say something tonight, and I'm not trying to make a show. Our presence becomes more important than His presence. We need to weep about that. There is nothing, I want to stop. There is nothing more important tonight than the presence of God in this house. I will tell you again, I'm not a great speaker. But I feel passion and purpose in my life tonight. Because I want us to know something. Something precious is missing. Something precious is missing in some of our altars in America. Something precious is missing in our pews. Something precious is missing in our platforms and pulpits in our music. Something precious is missing in our classrooms. And what is missing has been replaced by something so much cheaper. Gold has been replaced by the brass. Performance replaces power. Getting ahead replaces gaining heaven. Something precious is missing. And for Rachel, it was her children. And she refused to be soulless. She refused to be comforted. She refused to live a lie. And she will not stay in the valley of self-pity. She faced up to it. She took herself to a high place. She went to the one who could do something about it. She went to the one who was higher than herself. I think it's time. I think it's time that some of us need to come out of the valley and climb up Ramah and have a prayer meet with Almighty God about your family. I still want to declare that kids will come back home. I still want to declare that drug addicts can be set free. I still want to declare that alcoholics can be delivered. I still want to preach that miracles can still happen. I am a preacher that still believes that whatever he ever did, he can still do it now. You're going to have to get with me because I'm going to be through in a minute. She went to the one higher than herself. We must, everybody say we must. must. Reclaim Reclaim the high places. We can lose a lot, but we must not lose the high places in our life. High places are mentioned 70 times in the Bible. 70. They're places of transcendence. There are the realms of divine empowerment and appointments. In scripture more times than not the high places were given over to false worship. And you know that. When God is not found in the high places there is trouble in the valley below. Read the history of the kings. Second Kings says but the high places were not taken away. And the people still sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. That's not an abnormal aberration. But an ordinary occurrence. And it's coming into America like never before, right now. And what's in the in the world is coming into our churches. And we must maintain the high places in our lives. In the first in First Kings chapter 3, 12, 13, 14, 15, 22. In the Second Kings chapter 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 21, and 23. And Second Chronicles chapter 11, 14, 15, 17, 20, 21, 28, 31, 32, 33, 34. In those three books alone we find 25 times where God's people refuse to obey the first commandment. They refuse to put God first in their life. They would not place the only true sovereign in the supreme position of their life. And the high places were given over to lesser deities. Do you know what Canaan means? It means low place. Canaan means low place. And the reason there's no milk and honey in the low places is that the high places are devoted to everything but God. If we want to move of God in the low places in Austin, Texas, somebody needs to climb up Ramah's Mountain. Somebody needs to weep. Somebody needs to cry and say, God bless the children. Help our children. Help our people come back to the Lord. I believe with all my heart, before the Lord comes back, there will be a falling away, yes, but there's going to be an in gathering. And I'm on the in gathering side. I believe churches are going to be full to capacity. I believe people are going to be trying to get in the door because people are going to want Jesus more than anything in this world. There has to be somebody. Who maintains the high place in their life so that the low place can have milk and honey and somebody can have salvation for their soul that's right that's right that's right there's a reason historically when god's people give the high places over to false gods and pleasure Then abominable practices such as sacrificing children to false gods fill the low places. Now I'm not saying that we're going to sacrifice our kids on the altar of death. No, no, no. But sometimes when we lose the high place in our life, we sacrifice our kids to everything but Jesus Christ. The next generation is always imperiled when God's people refuse to commandeer the high places in their life. In the Civil War, the generals in Gettysburg Operated with a very simple premise. Here was that premise Whoever controls the high places wins the battle and ultimately the war. Whoever controls the premier places in your life wins the battle. If self is first, you lose. If God is first, you win. Mm. We struggle gaining the high places. Men. We talk about our women being like Rachel. Men, we need to be like Jehoshaphat. 2 Chronicles said his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Men, I want you to put your hands on your chest and say, heart be lifted up in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Believe the good. Expect the best. Yearn for Jesus. Yearn for the presence of God in your life. Come on, put your hands there and say, heart, be lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and the groves out of Judah. Topple those things that get in God's way. Remove those sentimental loves that are contrary to his will. Walk in the high places, men, and lift your heart to God. Women, be like Rachel. Men, be like Jehoshaphat. We need women that know how to pray. We need men that know how to lift their hearts. We need men that know how to lead the right way and say, God is going to be in our house. God's going to be on my job. God's going to be in my school. God's going to be everywhere I am because I am a disciple of the Lord. Boy, I feel this tonight. There was no sound like the high voice in the high place. Which brings me to my third thought. Reclamation brings restoration. Jeremiah said, Rachel, quit crying, quit weeping stop. You're about to draw wages on all your tears that you've shed. God pays. He don't always pay on Friday but He pays. <laughs> I want to talk to some mothers tonight that have kids that are not living for God. Keep climbing, Rhema. Keep climbing, Rama. Keep praying for your children. I want to talk to some dads. That hell's trying to beat you down because that sun has been rebellious in your life. Keep having the heart of Jehoshaphat. Stay on the high mountain of God. Because what you do on that mountain helps determine what happens in the valley below. And when the mountain is blessed, the valley's going to be blessed. Hallelujah. It's understanding. We've got to understand that. You've got to. David, go to Ramah. Go to Ramah. Go find the glorious outpouring of God's Spirit on Samuel's mountain. And should your enemy find you in the high place, the same Spirit that enables you will bind your enemy because God is able. He's able. You remember the last chapter of the man's life who elevated God in his heart and tore down everything displeasing to God in the high places? The Bible says that the enemy came against Jehoshaphat and Jeremiah cried to God and he said, It's not your battle. It's my battle. And the next day the people of God found the enemy destroyed in the valley below. See you reclaim the high places and God restores you in the valley below. Dwight L. Moody went to London to preach when he was just a young man. And as he walked to the pulpit the size of the crowd intimidated him. And he tried to preach, but he said that midway through the message, he wished for a trap door that would just open up and let him just fall in it. And after service, one of the ladies who had heard the young man preach and attended the service went home to help an, an invalid friend eat lunch. And as she was pushing her friend in the wheelchair to the lunchroom, she heard her friend ask, how was the service today? And the woman pushing the wheelchair said, there was a young man from America who spoke today. It was a wonderful service, and he'll be speaking again tonight. And the woman in the wheelchair said, please turn my wheelchair around. Roll me back to my room. And the one pushing her said, what, you don't want to eat? She said, no. Something tells me that God wants London to have a revival. And I'd rather go to Ramah's Mountain and pray than to eat right now. That night revival started that swept all of London. Who knows that on the 20th day, Of September on a Wednesday night. Who knows? Something is happening in this church tonight. I'm not trying to drum it up. It's not being drummed up. There's a presence in this house. You feel it in that balcony. You feel it on the last row. You feel it over here and you feel it over here and it's everywhere. It's running rampant in this church and something is saying it's time for us to climb that mountain called Rhema and say I'm tired of missing things in my life. I am ready, I am ready to execute vengeance against the evil one. I'm ready for my children to come home. I'm ready for God to do something great in our family. And why can't that revival just start tonight? Why can't that revival just start tonight? Why can't that move of God just start right now? Why do we have to wait? Why is it always tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow? Why can't it start now? One of our men came to me the other day and said, Pastor, this week is my seven-year anniversary for being released from prison after 25 years behind bars. He goes to church here every service. He loves God with all of his heart. But there was a day when he did some evil deeds and he had to spend some time. But now he's free. Now he's free. Can I tell you? That if God placed that man in this church over seven or seven years ago, a little less than seven years ago, and he put him here, and that man stayed here and lived for God and married a beautiful woman, can I tell you that there's more stories like that waiting to be told? There's more stories. Prisons can't hold the prayer that this church can offer. Drugs can't stop the children that God's gonna save through prayer. Alcohol can't hold back the people that are going to find God. Sexual promiscuity is not going to stop people from finding Jesus Christ in this house. Why can't something start tonight? I want all the Jehoshaphats of the kingdom say amen. Amen. I want all the Rachels to say praise the Lord. it been a long time since I've done that too. I'm not trying to pull some tricks on you. I just feel the Lord in this house. I may not have the ability to do what others can do. But I can do what Rachel did. I can go to the high place and cry. I can reclaim their heritage and the promise that God has for me. Pastor, something's missing. Look to your high place. Pastor, my family's hurting. Look to the high places. My life is a wreck. Look to the high places. It's time to go up. Who sits on the throne of your heart? If God is first, everything else is all right. If he's not, nothing will be right. Who occupies the rhema of your life? Where is Rachel who will reclaim the rhema? And where is Jehoshaphat who will tear down the altars and the groves and let the high place be used for the kingdom of God? Put your hands together right now. We're going to do something.